We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That is really strange. Uh, I had my <laughs> the countdown still going in my my uh, headphones there, so apologies for that. Um, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host, as always. And uh, joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this morning? I am doing fantastic. As Todd Miller says, these restructures landing perfectly before your shows. Uh, fantastic. Wide receiver restructures before a wide receiver show. <laughs> And then uh, edge rusher restructures right before a show about free agency, and then tomorrow's free agency simulation. So yep. I appreciate that, Chargers and Steve, and I, I thank your godly divine intervention to manifest these moves for us. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's certainly a, a great timing. Obviously, Tyler being a little facetious there, but um, you know, it is what it is. It's a good morning. I got to ask you, Tyler, did you find your angry workout music before your uh, your workout? Well, I was in the middle of the workout and I basically finished it and then people were sending in things. Um, I was hoping for a bit more diversity than Metallica and Slipknot because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get that. Like I have that. I was looking for something a bit more niche or something I didn't expect, but um, I'll have to go back through because some people had some really good suggestions, it seemed, because um, I haven't heard of them. So I'm looking for those. Yeah, uh, I, I was like, my first thought, anger music, right, is, is definitely like Metallica stuff, but... You know, I figured everybody else was going to respond to that. Um, when I was in high school, um, my football teammates would always put on like Skrillex if they wanted like angry workout music. So mm. maybe that uh, gets you the job. Yeah. done, I guess that's a little too like EDM-y for me. But, you know, mm. some people like it. So it is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Corn and Skrillex had a good matchup. for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. There you go. There you go. 
Um, all right. So as Tyler said, uh, we have a very busy morning. Uh, lots of things to get to today. You know, we are obviously going to talk about these restructures that the Chargers have done. Uh, frankly, going uh, very all in on 2023. And then we are going to talk about some uh, potential free agent targets for this team. So, um, you know, again, good timing because we didn't necessarily think the Chargers would be super active in free agency uh, outside of maybe the internal guys. And uh, who knows, maybe that has changed after today. So we'll see what happens there. And then we are going to take questions today. Um, so we'll, we'll spend probably the back half of the show taking questions. So make sure you uh, have your questions ready to rock. Uh, don't ask them now because I don't want to miss them. Um, and obviously, if you uh, feel for, feel so inclined to uh, include a super chat, that will definitely make sure that your question gets answered. So um, again, stay stay patient for that one. Uh, we'll get we'll get to your questions here in a second. But um, in terms of the restructures, uh, you know, we were not expecting the Chargers to do all four of these big restructures uh, with Keenan and uh, Mike Williams, obviously before. And then uh, today it announced that they announced through Field Yates that they reworked maximum restructures through Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, um, meaning that these four players uh, are taking up over $100 million in cap space in 2024. Uh, Khalil Mack with a $38 million cap hit, Joey Bosa $36 million cap hit, Mike Williams 32, Keenan Allen 34. So the Chargers have done a lot of work this week in freeing up some cap space getting under the cap and now they're they're right around 19 million dollars in cap space um again that's different than effective cap space because they have a rookie class to sign they have uh in-season moves to plan for um but they're they are cap compliant they have 19 million dollars in cap space and uh we'll see where they go from here tyler your uh reaction here as the chargers restructure both receivers and now both edge rushers I was surprised. I, I figured there was something, you know, one more move coming down the line. And we do know if something's coming down the line. But in terms of restructures, when we did the simulation, we had the two edge rushers and then Corey Lindsley. And maybe we kind of debated Sebastian Joseph Day, but that was that was really it. I didn't think they'd go for all four restructures. I believe the cap hit now in 2024 for those four players is $142 million dollars. We all know, though, that that is not going to stay yeah. that way. Whatever they do, cuts, extensions, who knows, it's not going to be that cap hit in 2024. It just looks like that right now. Um, to me, all this does is confirm that edge rusher and wide receiver are priorities in this draft at some point. Um, I say that, and I've I said this on Twitter, knowing this team and knowing that they could completely just go defensive tackle, linebacker, and safety just to spite me. But I feel like with these moves... <laughs> You have to go wide receiver, edge rusher, maybe another best player available at some point in the draft. And as early as January, we were talking about this. We had heard as much, you know, wide receiver, edge rusher, tight end. Those are the priorities in this draft. Doesn't mean it has to be that order. It could be any order. But I do think right now, edge rusher, edge rusher, wide receiver have to be priorities in the first three rounds because you have to. I don't know who. It could be two of them. It could be one of them. But I think you have to prepare going into next season as if you're going to lose one of these edge rushers and one of these wide receivers. If you don't, fine. You know, if you get to the end of the season and all four of them are all pros and you just you have to keep them and you have to extend them, fine. Yeah. But I'm not banking on that. And so I think that you have to start preparing as if you know these guys are going to be too expensive and you have to prepare for their departure. And that's why I feel like edge in round one, wide receiver the next two rounds and one of those two rounds 
is a great strategy. And I think the Chargers have set themselves up for a really solid opportunity in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. From a draft standpoint, I think that's that's been the case. That's been what we have been talking about. And I think this only, you know, cements that in terms of their like next year, what they're potentially looking at. I mean, you're again, this is next year is going to be very off brand for Tom Telesco if he's around. This is off brand for Telesco, too. We've never seen him Mm -hmm. restructure these kind of contracts. Usually he prefers to, you know, pull the rug out from from these situations and cut players, right? Because he's he does not want to take on dead cap. Um, this year, this is different, right? You're talking about a ton of money being pushed into next season. And, you know, right now they have about $14 million in cap space for 2024. And that is before the Justin Herbert contract extension and the fifth year option being picked up. So uh, and I think they have like 28 players under contract. So. Uh, things are going to look very different next year. This is very much signaling that the Chargers are all in on 2023. And I think that's the right decision, right? This is the last cheap year of Justin Herbert's contract, um, although his cap hit will change, like Arjun has explained because of his extension this year. But you know, this is the last year of Justin Herbert's contract extension. You had all these injuries last year. And so you're trying to maximize that window that you went all in last year. So, um, you know, this is a different different version but same kind of tune right like this is the chargers signaling that they believe in this window they believe in this core and they're going to do everything they can to maximize it so in terms of 2024 um i talked about the cap hits but in terms of moving on from these players the chargers will be able to save 23 million dollars by cutting khalil mack taking on a 15 million dollar dead cap hit um, we talked about Mike Williams and Keenan Allen last time. Again, $20 million savings, $12.4 million uh, dead cap for Mike Williams, $23 million uh, savings, and $11.6 million cap hit for, or dead cap hit, excuse me, for Keenan Allen. So um, Joey Bosa still has another year past 2024 on his contract. They could restructure mm-hmm. him again next year to free up space. So uh, Joey's not going anywhere, <laughs> um, in my opinion, unless Joey wants to wants to go with anywhere else like i don't like he would have to you know force his way out but you know the chargers are not going to be able to move off of him unless they uh really really want to so uh at that point you're talking about moving on from at least one of khalil mack keenan allen and mike williams potentially two of those players so again that's that's a 2024 problem we'll see if tom Telesco goes around to fix that problem or if it's (laughs) if a different if it's a different gm i mean but regardless this team is all in on 2023 and this is, you know, playoff run or bust essentially. Yeah. And I hope it's weird to say this, but I, I hope they're around next year to fix this because that means yeah. that with the Chargers had a great season. It really does feel like I forget who pointed out earlier in the chat, AFC championship or bust. And I think that is the minimum. I think you do have to make the AFC championship, you know, unless Herbert, you know, gets hurt, knock on wood, right. you know, you're, you're pushing for that. And so I hope they make it these decisions that they've made, to try to regroup, retool, and we can make one more run, at least in 2023. Um, it's awesome. Honestly, I wasn't really sure. I didn't expect four restructures. So I didn't really expect them to give themselves the opportunity to either max bring their guys back or maybe you know add one or two you know kind of under-the-radar free agents that we'll talk about. But it does give me some, some hope for the year. And to, just to add to that, the Chargers um, hiring Will Harris, yeah, um, as their new DB coach, I and, and then really the coaching moves that they've made. Just looking at it overall, their ability to retool and get some, you know, bring some guys back, 
maybe find a couple under the radar guys, you know, add some depth, and then bringing in some of these coaches, whether it's from Kellen Moore all the way to Muschamp from you know Georgia as like a analyst or whatever it is he's doing now. Um, it's exciting. It really is. And I think the Chargers so far, as they tend to do, have nailed the off season. We'll just see if it can work out. <laughs> off season chance, baby. Let's oh, go. Yeah. Um, you know, I still would expect Matt Filer to be cut. I know there's been some speculation around that on social media this morning. Um, to me, like, you know, Tom Telesco is going to want some value at some positions, right? And so cutting Matt Filer, allowing Jamari Sawyer to be your left guard would certainly create a lot of surplus value in that regard. So We'll see what happens there. Uh, Cutting Matt Filer takes them to $25 million in cap space, uh, which is really essentially like $17 million in, in spending space if you're you know accounting for a draft class as well as in-season moves. Um, and then you know if they feel like they need to, they could still restructure you know a Sebastian Joseph Day, which is a smaller you know deal freeing up a, a few million dollars. You, know, you could still cut Dustin Hopkins. We'll see about that one. So um, still some potential free cap freeing moves that they could make going forward um before we get to the external guys tyler what does this mean to you for guys like trey pipkins drew tranquil morgan fox calvin noy that crowd of of internal free agents that the chargers have it's if anything it's more positive whether they do bring these guys back because it's not typically been the telesco way they haven't really done a good job of bringing these guys back it's an understatement um, of, yeah no kidding of the <laughs> i guess quote unquote you know big three of tranquil pipkins and fox i don't think and they don't usually tend to do this they won't just spend a ton just to spend a ton on that player i, I tend to not see them overpay significantly for players so if someone wants to pay drew tranquil 10 million dollars a year or someone wants to give morgan fox 10 million dollars a year they're not going to go out and you know bring those guys back just for the sake yeah. of bringing them back but I do feel like of the big three, you I think you do feel like at least two of those three guys can return to the team. Um, and maybe, you know, someone like Bryce Callahan, his, his market is not going to be huge. He's not going to be very expensive. So you could bring him back as well. And I'd be totally on board with that. I know some people are worried about the Chargers just running it back with the same guys. But like Morgan Fox wasn't the problem. And Drew Tranquil wasn't the yeah. problem. Trey Pipkins wasn't the problem. You know, running it back, I know they didn't go far in the playoffs, but the guys that they are pending free agents were all very, very critical to them even making it to the postseason to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are all players that I think you want to run it back with. And it's like, what's the alternative here? I think at linebacker, you probably have some some maybe easier options. You can talk yourself into a Troy Reader signing and then you maybe draft a, a rookie earlier. And maybe that's kind of, you know, at least a similar thing, you know, but at right tackle, it's like, you either got – if you're trying to upgrade from Trey Pipkins, you got to spend a lot of money to upgrade from Trey Pipkins mm-hmm. or take a first-round tackle. And yeah. then, again, there's there's that risk of like, okay, what if the first-round tackle is, you know, uh, doesn't develop super well? Um, so I, I think Trey Pipkins absolutely should be back. I think Morgan Fox should be back. But we'll, like you said, we'll see what their, their markets are. I think I feel most comfortable about Pipkins being back because, you know, the, the offensive tackle market – is it's pretty deep right now i mean you're talking about guys who could have been franchise tagged did not get franchise tagged guys like orlando brown for example guys like Jawan taylor so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh offensive tackle options out there for teams so i feel like pipkins is you can pencil him in essentially um 
you know, you mentioning the the way that the Chargers have operated, right? Like we saw this with Rayshon Jenkins. We saw this with Hunter Henry. They're mm-hmm. going to head into these contract negotiations with a number in mind. Mm-hmm. And if somebody like the Jaguars, the Patriots, you know, swoops in and says, hey, we're going to pay you $4 million more per year than the Chargers will, then of course those guys are going to be gone. So, um, you know, the linebacker market, is very interesting right now. Guys like Levante David, guys like Eric Kendricks, Bobby Wagner have all been released. So what does that do for Drew Tranquil's market is something that's yeah. going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Although Drew is obviously much younger than most of those guys. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then Morgan Fox, I feel like he, his situation was going to be, you know, pretty expensive regardless because he's an interior pass rusher and that's that has a mm-hmm. lot of value there. But um, I feel pretty good about Pickens coming back and – iffy about drew tranquil but i i I do lean towards morgan fox uh being priced out yeah i uh, we'll see i I think he's (laughs) definitely going to get more than the projection i don't know if it's as much as his trainer or not trainer coach yeah um, wants him to make which is a hundred million dollars a year but um yeah we'll see i I do think pipkins is, is back i just don't see why not I I really don't like I don't see why not. I understand right. that this is not how they've operated because they let guys go, but I do not see the downside in this. I understand heading into last year, we were like, I don't know about this. I don't feel comfortable about this. Sure. Things have changed. He's a good tackle, and letting a good tackle walk for a, a, a guy that's not going to make a whole lot. He's not going to reset the market, nor is he the first, second, or really third. I mean, I think Brandon Thorne had, had him as like offensive tackle option number ten. Yeah, in 10. terms of pending free agents, so. You know whether that's true or not in terms of play on the field last year, I don't know. I think he's better than some of the guys that were on the list. But in terms of like whole outlook of his of his past, he's going to be inexpensive. So I think you have to bring him back. I really don't want to go into the draft as much as it seems like there are good tackle options available for the Chargers at twenty one. I don't want to go into the draft hoping that a particular player makes it. Otherwise, you end up with the fourth guy like DJ Fluker. <laughs> Yeah, when you're picking at 21, 22 in this class, like, you know, if you could guarantee me that like one of Broderick Jones or Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky would be there for the Chargers, then sure, I understand that. But um, I like Darnell Wright a, a, a good amount, but I think there's a pretty big drop off from him mm. uh, from the, the top three guys to him. So, oh, okay. Um, you know, just just kind of my initial impression impression there. But hmm. you know, talking about the offensive tackles in this class, I mean, there's Orlando Brown, who's projected from Brad Spielberg to be five years, twenty one million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mike McGlinchey, four years, sixteen million dollars. You know, Jawan Taylor, four years, seventeen million dollars. Caleb McGarry, four years, fifteen million dollars. Isaiah Wynn, two years, ten, eleven million dollars. Taylor Lewan got released. You know, Kevin Beecham is a free agent. Um, so there's a lot of guys, you know, that the chart that other teams could go for. Donovan Smith was released. George Fant is a free agent. A lot of veteran guys out there with bigger names than Trey Pipkin. So um, if you look at the actual rankings on PFF where you can like sort through positions, you know, Brad Spielberger has has put Trey Pipkins in there. Um, and he has hmm. Trey getting a three year six point seven million six point seven five million dollar deal, um, which I, I feel pretty good about. You know, that's basically it a three-year $20 million deal. So that mm-hmm. to me is, is uh, that's, that's pretty easy for me. I think you, you do that trade. Um, I think Arjun had him as like a $4 million cap hit in the first year. So, you know, it doesn't yeah. necessarily, it doesn't necessarily cost you a ton this year to re-sign Trey Pipkins. Yeah. I, I could see a lot of guys 
getting that classic two-year deal and it ends up just being oh yeah we have this you know set of fat contracts next year so we're going to cut you sort of thing but i think someone like Trey pickens would take that you know get himself another nice paycheck in, in 2023 and then if he's cut or if he stays great and if he's cut you know and he has a good year go get another paycheck so i think that he would take something like that some people are mentioning leonard floyd i don't think we're going to talk about him <laughs> as an like a bargain bin option he's projected at one year seven million dollars um that's really not, i didn't notice that one yeah so i don't know if that's changed although i looked at it so right now it's okay so it's right now one year seven million dollar average per year obviously that's very affordable i just don't know if the chargers will do that and frankly that doesn't help you next year necessarily now will the next edge rusher that comes in through the draft be as effective as leonard floyd is right now maybe maybe not you never know it's the draft but they have to start finding cheaper options at these premium positions um so to me the solution with edge three is to well a hope chris rump develops a bit and then b go get someone in the draft because at some point these premium positions have to be cheaper not 74 million dollars combined on the cap sheet <laughs> that surprises me you know leonard floyd had a bit of a me down too. season last year i mean aaron donald didn't play like the whole back half of the season but i'd be, I'd be pretty surprised if leonard floyd signed a, a one-year prove it deal like that and i think he's 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 got more in him than that so and also there's like does he want to come be a third string edge rusher i i, I right. doubt that like i think he's going to want to be in a chance where he can at least start and if that's on a one-year deal, then he's not going to do that as a backup. Like he's going to want to be able to maximize mm -hmm. the next contract. So, yeah, um, I'm not opposed to the Chargers signing an edge three. It would have to be somebody like you're talking about, like somebody that's a little bit cheaper. You know, Calvin Oy, for example, is only uh, projected to get like a three point million, three point seven five million dollar raise or excuse me, deal according to Brad. So they could bring him back if they wanted to. I'm cool with that, but. Uh, I would much prefer drafting an edge in the first round over pretty much any other edge possibility. Yeah, I, I think for the most part, I would agree. I wouldn't mind someone. I wouldn't mind them bringing in, and I'm sure we'll talk about some guys like another Kyle Van Noy type. Sure, um, edge three four ish, but yeah. All right, so I think we're both on the same page that we think that this is more about bringing back multiple people than like going big fish hunting. I think so. I know Telesco has said as much where it's like, you know, we'll, we'll consider some external guys. And I, I definitely think that's possible. Um, and again, we'll talk about some of these guys in just a bit. But I, I think this is really, you know, everyone's assuming that there's X amount of money to spend, but really it's $10 million for in-season budget and draft um, you know, draft class. I mean, shoot, look at the the Chargers last year. How much did they have to spend on in-season budget last year? Bringing yeah. in, you know, player after player after player after player after player just to fill in um, some roster spots. So I think they'll be prepared for that potentially this year. And then I think, you know, another 8 million or so just in 2023 cap hit goes to bringing guys back. So let's say that's Trey and Drew or Trey and Fox or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to me, it just comes down to a couple tweaks here and there, you know, add some more depth, go find your, you know, they got to bring back Will Clapp. You know, they got to give Donald Parham a contract, that sort of thing. Right. I know people are, you got to do like the little stuff too, because that adds up $1 million <laughs> yeah. at a time. And suddenly you actually don't have as much as you thought. Yeah. You, you have to have a roster. You have to have depth. You know, technically they got to bring back Cameron Dicker, you know, Jalen Guyton, stuff like that all, all adds up at this point. Mm -hmm. So, all right, Tyler, let's, uh, let's get to some external free agent targets that I think we can talk about here. Um, I'm going to kick us off here with maybe someone that I, I haven't seen necessarily get a ton of buzz uh -huh. for the, the connection with the Chargers. 
Um, and that's Braxton Berrios, the wide receiver formerly mm. of the New York Jets. I think that, um, you know, they had a certain idea when it came to DeAndre Carter, obviously getting a, a higher end return specialist and somebody who could occasionally contribute on offense. And I think Braxton Berrios would take that up a notch. We're talking about a guy who averaged 30 yards per kick return in 2021. Uh, that's about 12 yards higher than DeAndre Carter's average on kickoff returns. Um, you know, he was also 13 yards per punt return in 2021. Um, this past year, he was a he was a bit of a bit of an off year for whatever reason. I still mm. an upgrade over what DeAndre Carter was giving as a kick returner. He was at 24 yards per punt return, and then also or per kick return, excuse me, and then 11 yards per punt return, which was is, was just above DeAndre Carter. So uh, we know that Ryan Ficken has a, a good amount of say in the personnel department. And we know that the Chargers have invested into the special teams much more under Brandon Staley than the previous regime. Talk about Josh Harris. You can talk about Ficken. You can talk about um, these other moves, right? So I think Braxton Berrios would make some sense, and he could be your wide receiver five. And I think being an upgrade yeah. over DeAndre Carter in uh, both facets, offense and special teams. So, uh, you know, we've, we've become kind of a special teams podcast. I figured it was kind of on brand to start with Braxton Berrios. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's perfect. I definitely could see it. I haven't looked much into the returner-specific markets. So I'm glad that you were looking into that. The goal, now granted, it's a new offensive coordinator, but DeAndre Carter was not involved at all to start the Raiders game. Now granted, it was all of one half of a game before a player got hurt, and that was Keenan right. Allen. But they had like no designs to work in DeAndre Carter, really. And they really didn't have any designs to work in Jalen Guyton, even after Keenan got hurt, although they're not the same player. Um, so bringing in a, a just a kind of fifth guy, special teams only sort of dude uh, makes sense because we we know who, who the, the wide receivers one through three are. I don't think that's really going to change unless you want to call it 3A, 3B. So at this point, looking for something like Berrios uh, is solid. What was sorry? What was, what was his receiving production again last year? Um, last year it wasn't a ton, but he, I think he was around 400 yards receiving in 2021 and 2020. He was kind of like their wide receiver four. And then this year, you know, you, you bring it you draft Garrett Wilson, you have Elijah Moore, you have Corey Davis. So Barrios kind of got buried on the depth chart a little bit. And then that's why they released him. Hmm. Okay, cool. I will pivot to another receiver. I don't recall what his special teams prowess is, but it's going to be. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, the wide receiver from Seattle, I believe. Darn, I can't remember where his APY was projected, but if they don't want to go, you know, wait for someone in the draft, because it's not like a great class, I would prefer that they go ahead and wait for someone in the draft, especially if you're not counting on them to be wide receiver two or one or really even three this year. But if they want to just go out and get a sure thing for, you know, a, a sort of a bargain. Um, I think Marcus Goodwin, you know, again, everybody knows he's fast for 427 speed, um, elite RAS, even at 5'9, 185, which is me if I go on a diet. Um, <laughs> you know, 400 yards and four touchdowns last year. Um, as we know, and it's funny, I'm going through this list. I see, oh, that guy had a good game against the Chargers. Oh, hey, that guy had a good game against the Chargers. <laughs> uh, Marquis Goodwin, right. two, two touchdowns against the Chargers last year, one against JC, one against Asante Samuel Jr., if I'm not mistaken. So, um 25th in yards per reception right behind Tyreek Hill and ahead of Mike Williams which is funny to see them at 25 but it's it's kind of filtering for that 20 percent um I know Hill and Williams would both be at like that 50 percent filter but still you know again you're you're signing in for the one thing and the one thing that we need the one thing that we want 
And so I think Marquise Goodwin, not an expensive guy, a guy that, you know, he maybe can only literally do one thing. I don't know, but hey, that's what they need. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a really good call. Um, so for 2022, at least he doesn't have any uh, returner reps. So I don't know if that uh, changed from previous years, but you know, I think that's a good call. He's not on Brad's list of of rankings. So you know, I think if you're looking at that kind of wide receiver market, you're generally talking about like one year, three million, four million dollars. You know, like. Nelson Aguilar is on there for one million four or one year four million dollars. Trent Sherfield two years uh, two point five million per year. Um, Mac Collins two years four million per year. So that kind of like lower tier speed receiver, I think you're you're generally talking about you know like three four million dollars, whether that's a one year deal, four year or two year deal, excuse me. So I yeah, I think that would be you know kind of an upgrade over Jalen Guyton as well and. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, definitely not a needle mover, but it definitely helps, you know, provide space into the offense, which I think is definitely needed. Yeah, definitely. And since you mentioned Mac Hollins, I really like Mac Hollins because I've watched <laughs> more Raiders games than I'd care to. Yeah. Um, but over 700 yards and four touchdowns last season projected to get, um, where is it? Two, yeah, say two, year, two years, $4 million APY. Um, I, here we go. Here's like the Telesco check the list. 6'4", 221, 453 speed. Um, I think the text, <laughs> like all the boxes, almost perfectly for the Chargers. But I think he, he's not like a big, slow receiver. I, I, he's he, faster he, than that. Yeah. Yes, he is 100% faster than that. Um, he did have, I think, 20 or 40 yards rushing against the Rams. So whoever was asking, yes, he can take a jet sweep. He can take that handoff. <laughs> I don't know why he's not getting more love and more attention. It's just he's kind of just been cycled through as this other guy you know, at best a wide receiver three sort of thing. But you watch him put up, you know, 158 yards against the Titans and I think two touchdowns or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there. He can play special teams um, really, really well. I've seen plenty of that. He can take a handoff. He's got kind of the size that they want. He'll be cheap. And, you know, stealing from the the rival Raiders. It's about time that one Raiders player goes to the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of us sending them players. <laughs> you know, it'd be we got to reciprocate it, I guess, for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Denzel Perryman is a free agent, by the way. I'm just throwing he that is. one out there. He is. Um, definitely down for a reunion. We'll see what that looks like. But um, yeah, I think this there's definitely options for the Chargers if they want to go out and get a speed threat in free agency. Um, you know, a, a cheap one that is, you know, come and be that wide receiver four or five. And I, th- I think both of those guys, Marquise Goodwin, Braxton Barrios would be good fits. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk about former Rams players potentially coming over. <laughs> yeah. We already talked about Leonard Floyd, mm-hmm. um, you know, Taylor Rapp. There's a lot of connections there as well, especially with, with Will Harris coming over. Um, I'm going to go with Ashawn Robinson, though, the defensive tackle, former Alabama player. We know that Brandon Staley really likes picking from. Uh, that Nick Saban world. Um, Ashawn Robinson's still only going to be 28 this upcoming season. Um, he's had some injury history. He missed most of the 2020 season and a lot of games in 2022. But when he was healthy in 2021, he was top 15 in run stops and run stop percentage along the defensive line. He was pretty much right neck and neck with Austin Johnson, actually, in 2021. And I'm very curious to see what they'll do. Because Austin Johnson and Otito Ogbonia are both injured and could potentially start the season. Maybe they they start the season on the pup list. Maybe they're not ready to go. So I do think that they'll need a starter like that's ready to rock. And you don't necessarily need that guy to be a full season starter. 
And so getting somebody like Ashawn Robinson for cheap who could come in and, and reunite with Sebastian Joseph Day, I think would make a lot of sense. You know, he had 44 total run stops in 2021. His run stop percentage was right around 10%, which is a really good number. And so, you know, maybe you only get eight games out of Ashawn Robinson, but as long as he gives them that runway to have to get Otito mm-hmm. and Austin Johnson back healthy, I think that's perfect. And then that gives them some versatility along the line too because he can play the nose he can play the three tech he can play the five tech mm-hmm. and you know him and sebastian can kind of you know mix and match like him and austin johnson were doing so Ashawn robinson i think is is probably my favorite rams free agent just because i think it fills a need he's a good player he won't cost a ton because he he has had some injury history which also checks the chargers box probably <laughs> um but i think it just makes a lot of sense in terms of like schematic ability and, and yeah veteran leadership and, and all of that stuff yeah i didn't realize that he was so at least in terms of projections inexpensive uh just i always kind of thought of him as the guy that you know was so excellent under brandon staley and i think a, a spot like this would be really appealing for him because i mean look at the the season the chargers players had last year these one-year deal guys yeah. Everyone's going to go make money and go get to work with Staley again. Go get to work with Jay Rogers, who gets everybody paid. Um, you know, Kyle Van Noy, sort of a not a career year, but pretty darn close um, to getting close to a you know career year for his current age and situation. Morgan Fox, career year. Bryce Callahan, excellent year. You know, I think some of these guys are looking at what the Chargers are doing on defense. And yeah, I'm all for it. I did not realize he was projected to be so light i mean one year two and a half million dollar average that's i mean that moves right up my board to like number one at this point like if morgan (laughs) fox goes and i don't want him to but if he does i think a sort of you know young ish reclamation project like ashawn robinson would be great yeah absolutely and again like for me it just it's about that runway right like the chargers Mm -hmm. are going to need somebody who can start probably right away in the season and, and at least you know be a capable player until austin johnson otito Ogbonia can you know get back and healthy we'll see what their recovery looks like if both of those players are ready to go to start of the year then you know that kind of changes but um you know i think Ashan, even if he is not a starter for you mm-hmm. you know he's an upgrade over like a christian covington dt4 kind of spot so totally. i think that would still make a lot of sense yeah Nice. All right, I'm going to throw out a name that no one's talking about because he had a bad season. But this is the bargain bit episode after all, so yeah. we're going to go for it. Uh, Andrew Wiley, the char- the Chiefs tackle that it seems like they're letting him go officially. I don't believe this would be a starting option, but people have but people have asked, like, what kind of depth option should we look at? This is kind of someone I would consider uh, because he's a tackle guard flexible player. Not a great regular season. I think it was, like, close to 50 pressures allowed. But then he went into the postseason and through those three postseason games only allowed five pressures. And I think that might get him paid more. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But again, this is a depth kind of potential option here. 2,000 you know, career snaps at both right tackle and right guard, 500 at left guard. And he was on the Chargers at one point um, in 2017. So I don't want to give right. him starter money by any means. But you know, I think you get a, an, an improved Hymas here with some flexibility. Um, if Corey, Lin- so we had heard and, and sort of now the speculation can come out that Corey Lindsley's knee issues might not hinder him in the sense that like they're worried about him this year, but I think they are kind of worried about something. I don't, I don't know, but they, they chose not to restructure him, 
Whereas I feel like he's the best player they could have restructured in terms of how good he is at his position, but they didn't. Um, so you really wonder about those knee issues. And I think that, not that Wiley can play center, but I believe if for some reason shit hits the fan and the knee issues do kind of flare up, we've seen, you know, also just things just shit hits the fan with someone like Brian Balaga. I don't think it's the same thing. But if something similar happens where, oh, he's like, that's it. Like the age limit was reached. The knees gave out. Here we are. You yeah. know, I think you, you can kick someone like Zion Johnson to play center and bring in someone like Andrew Wiley. I just think it just gives you enough flexibility. It's an unsexy option. Absolutely nobody's asking for this one. Um, <laughs> but I had to find something and his agent also follows me. So I figured why not? There you go. There you go. <laughs> You're building that relationship. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm curious about his market because Chiefs, Chiefs people say that, you know, he played much better than like the numbers would show. Um, whether that's pressures, whether that's his, you know, blocking grades, which again, that's subjective to to really what do you think of that person? Um, I, I think this would make a lot of sense. You know, he's played three positions along the offensive line, including right tackle. He started a lot of games. Um, I brought up a player here as well, or wanted to bring up a player here as well. Um, and that's uh, Cameron Fleming, uh, formerly of the Denver Broncos. He started pretty much every single game this past year for the Broncos um, at right tackle and actually played some left tackle for them. Um, and he was even on the Cowboys in 2019 and 2020 was their swing mm. tackle. So uh, he's been a mostly a career swing tackle, which I think the Chargers do need. Like even if they mm. bring back Trey Pipkins, they definitely need to get a swing tackle in there. And I think if you want to have some veteran leadership in there that, that knows the offense that, you know, obviously has the connections within the division, you know, he's, he's played in zone schemes. He's played in zap schemes, gap schemes, excuse me. Um, there is some versatility there for him. And, you know, he's, he is a, a higher end swing tackle, you know, according to Brad and his projections, you know, are talking about a two year, $5 million deal, as opposed to, somebody like a Billy Turner, who's, you know, one year, mm -hmm. 1.5 or Brandon shell, who's one year, 1.5. So, you know, you're, you're paying a little bit of a, a swing tackle premium, mm -hmm. but I mean, we saw shit hit the fan from the yeah. offensive line perspective mm -hmm. last year and just having a, a stable swing tackle, whether that's Wiley, whether that's funny, I think would, would make a lot of sense for the chargers with or without uh trade Pippen's coming back. Yeah, I, I would agree. The Chargers benefited tremendously from having an option with Sawyer. They had an option with Will Clapp. Um, again, not like Will Clapp was a tremendously outstanding player, but I, I just felt like it wasn't as terrible as, no offense, the right tackle options they had after Pipkin. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I, if they want to take a couple million dollars and throw it you know, at a high-priced sort of backup option, I wouldn't mind because the Chargers win at least one more game last year yeah. you know, just by spending a little bit more at right tackle and really investing in that position. Yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. The last thing that I wanted to bring up here, uh, again, we'll do some you know more premium free agency names, I'm sure, with, with Arjun tomorrow. I'm sure people will ask about it today. So um, I'm going to have one more name. Tyler, do you have another name too? Yeah, I could throw out some edge rushers or whatever. Go for it. Okay, perfect. So we'll each bring up one more name and then we'll start taking some questions. So, uh, I know we had a super chat earlier that we'll get to, but uh, you guys can start firing in your questions now. Um, the player that I'm going to bring up here is cornerback Mike Hughes. Uh, I actually mm -hmm. talked about him last year because he had some familiarity with the scheme and he had played outside corner um, for the Chiefs for the most part. And he has some inside-outside flexibility. 
And the uh, Chargers hired his former position coach from the Cleveland Browns slash formerly of the Minnesota Vikings in Jeff Howard. Nice. So Jeff Howard was in Minnesota when Mike Hughes was drafted. Um, he played a lot of special teams with Ryan Ficken as his special teams coach. So there's there's definitely some connections there. And similar to the defensive tackle room, we don't really know what's going to happen with J.C. Jackson. I heard that they're high on Jaw Taylor, but like we saw them last year do the same kind of thing with like Amon Ogbogamigo, where it was like, yeah, they're really high on him, and then they <laughs> they drafted, they went and signed Troy Reader uh, and signed Kyle Vanoy. So um, interesting, you know, circumstances here <laughs> as Tyler is leaving for a second here. Um, <laughs> so uh, Mike Hughes, everybody, I think makes a lot of sense for the Chargers. He can play outside corner, he can play inside corner. Um, he can play special teams, so he's connected to the coaching staff. And, you know, we don't really know with 100% certainty what's going on with Jaw Taylor, what's going on with J.C. Jackson. So I do think we could see them pluck from the, the lower-tier veteran corner market just because mm -hmm. they do need somebody to, uh, like, potentially start in a pinch, and I think Mike Hughes could, could do that for them. Yeah, I, I would agree, especially with so much uncertainty. If Jaw Taylor does end up being the starting slot, like you said, then sure, I'm all for it. I didn't do a whole lot of research into the, you know, outside quote unquote corner market, but yeah, I'm all for it. And as far as guys I have left, I'll say it because, you know, people want us to say it. Michael Brockers from Detroit. Okay. There's that one. Agbonio, <laughs> Agbonio sure. Okoronkwo, however you say it from Houston, of course, played for the Rams. Um, obviously people will probably bring up Robert Quinn. So a lot of edge rushers you can work with. I'm going to go with Jordan Willis, the edge rusher from San Francisco. Ooh. This one more, I keep wanting a San Francisco edge rusher every year, it seems. Right. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'll take it. You've come from a pretty good system. Uh, this is a purely rotational kind of defender, and at least he has been. Uh, minimal stats. You know, of course, he had a sack and two run stops against the Chargers uh, this past oh, season. Sick. But sure, yeah, probably the right tackle situation. Uh, sort of a journeyman on the cheap, but he does fit. Um, the 33 and a quarter, whatever it is, um, arm length threshold that Staley wants. And he does have an RAS of 9.81. So rotational guy, you know, extra guy you can bring in. Again, I prefer they draft someone in the first round, but I wouldn't mind if they said, hey, let's find a guy for cheaper or something and just bring him on just in case we don't find that guy at 21 that we want. My light keeps going out, so I don't know what happens. But I'm Oh, is that why you <laughs> took off for a second there? Yes. Okay. No, yeah. Um, yeah, no, Jordan Willis would make some sense. I think if they are going to go after a, a veteran edge rusher, I think you know, getting a bit more of a, a power player to go alongside Chris Rumpf uh, would make some sense. So Jordan Willis would, would check that box for me. Um, Demarcus Walker as well from the Titans, I think, is an interesting mm -hmm. name to keep an eye on. He was in Denver uh, and played under Brandon Staley for two years. And so there is some connections there. Um, you know, he's, he didn't really hit his stride in Denver, but you know, he did once he left to, to Tennessee, he had, uh, I think 30 pressures each of the last two years. So I, I think getting a, a bigger power rusher would, would make some sense there. Yeah. All right. Um, as I said, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll mention some other names between today and tomorrow, but, uh, we'll take some questions now and then, uh, we'll spend about 20 minutes or so taking your guys' questions. So, uh, feel free and, and fire away. And uh, again, if you uh, want to include a super chat, that would be very much appreciated today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Just go ahead and answer it. Which one? The one I put on the screen. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I want to answer that one today. <laughs> All right, pass. Um, he's not getting an extension. He would have he would have to get tendered in order to come back, but he's he's definitely not getting an extension, I will say that. Um, what if the Chargers sign a Orlando Brown like big name no one expects? You know, um, a Orlando Brown would have to be okay playing right tackle, which he doesn't want to do because he's already said that as much as why he was traded from Baltimore. Um, this isn't necessarily about him, obviously, because he's like big name ish, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, <laughs> Orlando Brown also doesn't really fit what they want either from a Brandon Staley tackle perspective or from a, uh, Kellen Moore perspective, you know, both mm-hmm. guys want their tackles to be longer, more athletic tackles. And that's obviously not what Orlando Brown is. So I think we could see them spend big somewhere, but definitely not like a premium long-term deal. Like I think they could go out and sign a bigger name to like a shorter term deal, but I do not expect, you know, another JC Jackson type deal Mm -hmm. or Khalil Mack trade or something like that. Yeah. I'm definitely looking for the, Oh, that guy's available. Kind of looking for something like that with him, you know, Kava and Morgan Fox, Bryce Callahan, sort of thing. Yeah, sure, exactly. Um, saw some uh, confusion about JC Jackson's deal. So JC was signed to a five-year contract, uh, which is really kind of a three-year contract. But uh, we'll see what happens there. Everyone's still talking about Bijan at twenty-one. I love the player, man, but <laughs> that's not really helping them. There it is. But. There's a lot of buzz after the combine that he is going to be a top 12 pick. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there, obviously. Um, I was trying to scroll up. I don't want to keep scrolling up. So, um, yeah, if you guys super chat of the day. Okay. Uh, Charles Michael Sinclair wants to know Jalen Hyatt in the first now. I think that's on the table. Um, we did our whole wide receiver rankings episode this past time, and I would understand it. I think he is probably the receiver I want most for the Chargers at 21. Um, but ideally, I think if you're targeting Jalen Hyatt, you would trade down and go get him in the late 20s as opposed to 21. Yeah, definitely checks a lot of boxes for the Chargers. Um, definitely the RAS profile fits more than someone like Isaiah Flowers. I think the, obviously the height, um, I think, kind of plays a factor there. The speed hopefully that they want obviously is what they want there um i don't know like you said i'm all for trading down 
and frankly they should from a cap perspective anyway mm-hmm. you know saving all that money and pick getting more picks i think makes sense uh todd miller there's a lot of love out there for darnell washington there in is. 21 um i think more so after the combine what do you what do you make of because we did our tight ends yeah our tight end episode like a month ago before mm-hmm. the combine so what are, where are you at with darnell washington now after watching what he did last week in indy it's a tough one for me i actually moved him to tight end three so he's ahead of musgrave for me now i, I that. think that i think that part of it not that i didn't expect him to test well like no shit he was going to test well i just didn't think we'd be looking at oh he's better than 90 percent of the receivers that showed up too yeah um and you really just with the lack what do you have like 25 catches last year if not less than that i mean there just wasn't a whole lot to see overall from that perspective so to see him move granted he's moving in shorts no defenders that sort of thing yeah um but i was surprised and i think that what he can do overall the ceiling they're trying to hit like i think he's he's fantastic for me the thing at 21 is so difficult because what he could be as an elite blocking tight like what he could do in his role to help this offense get so much better, I think, is undeniable. You get a legit red zone at minimum option. You get a freak athlete, and you get what should be a very, very good, if not elite blocker, very early on and earlier on than most of the guys in this class, if not all of them. It just is that worth it at 21. I don't know. Like He'll do so much to help this offense. I just don't know if I want to do that at 21 which sucks to say but i think you just get a bit more value overall for your team with a wide receiver or edge rusher but if they went this direction i would get it it would just be a bit early like like kind of like hyatt i get why both guys would help let's sure. just back it up a little bit and i'd be better with that yeah you know i i'm not surprised that he moved the shit out of that sled and he was like the only one who really could um, I'm not surprised that he ran a good 40. For me, the bigger surprise was the the short area yes. agility times. I mean, we're talking about the guy who was <laughs> right behind Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember who was second behind Jackson, but he was third in the short mm-hmm. short shuttle drill, which I didn't see that kind of suddenness on tape when I watched his tape. So I think he has a very high floor because of his blocking ability. I mean, Mercedes Lewis has been in the NFL for like 20 years because he's an elite blocking tight end. So there is a very high floor with Darnell Washington. I just don't know from a, like a passing game perspective how mm. high is that ceiling. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch his tape a little bit more after seeing that kind of, you know, agility testing. Um, I would understand it. You know, he checks a lot of boxes for for what the Chargers need on offense. You know, we know that Kellen Moore wants to use a lot of tight ends. We know that Brandon Staley likes the Georgia <laughs> the Georgia program to pick from. Mm-hmm. We know that they need better blocking. That's something that they want to do. We know that they want to marry the run game and the pass game at a higher level. So he does check a lot of boxes for them. I just don't know if I'm like fully comfortable with him at 21 because of that, that passing game. Like if they drafted Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, I think mm-hmm. they just give you a different kind of ceiling as a pass catcher. And that's, that's probably the tight end area where I would lean towards. Yeah. Um, if they took Darnell Washington, I would get it, but I just don't know Me if I'm, I would advocate for it. I'm going to get total boom boom for this from the chat, but it's not, it is, it's not, but it is, it's a bit sight unseen. This is a terrible thing to say. It's like Justin Herbert in the sense that you maybe only saw him asked to do certain things, but he had the capability to do so much more. 
if they feel like Darnell Washington is actually the most fluid, best receiving tight end in the draft, and we just haven't seen it, and they sure. feel like with Kevin Coger, Kellen Moore, that they can unlock that, then I would I would kind of get it. Like him being able to outpace Michael Mayer as a receiver because of his involvement and obviously having Justin Herbert and all that. Um, I would get it, but it's, it's a really dumb comparison. But No, I, I understand what you're saying. It's like, if they, because you know, with Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer, you can flex them out to the slot. You can mm-hmm. run them in line. Like they can do a lot more things. You know, you can have them line up in the backfield as an H back, and you can use them in in more ways as a pass catcher. If they feel like they can do that with Darnell Washington, mm-hmm. then sure, you, you make that pick because he's six seven and two hundred and sixty five pounds, and <laughs> by far the best blocker in the class. So mm-hmm. it just like, where are you at with what you can get out of him as a pass catcher? I still think that you're talking about somebody who is more in the box than somebody who can flex out to the slot and do more things vertically. Yeah, I would agree. Um, So we didn't talk about any running backs. Uh, Sorry about that, Tyler. Um, LD Bruin wants to know, do you think that they go get a veteran running back or do you think that they are set next year? He said that Nate Tice had Jamal Williams as a fun option for the Chargers. Is he available? He is available, yes. There's, There's talk of him. Going back to Detroit, he loves Detroit. Yeah. There's talk of the Lions cutting DeAndre Swift so that they can make that happen. So we'll see what happens here. But right now, he is a free agent. Huh. Well, his uncle reached out to me about (laughs) interviewing (laughs) one of the guys that trains with him. So you know what? Yeah, let's do it. I can use all the contact info I can get. Um, Shout out Luke Neal training Jamal Williams and some other guys. There you go. There you go. Um, I think we could see them sign a veteran running back. I don't think that's completely out of the question. You know, similar to the tight end market, like we know that Kilmore is going to want to have like a back that he can trust outside of Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. I think we agree that Joshua Kelly earned more reps than he got last year. He also got injured. So we don't know with 100% certainty what they have in Kelly. You don't know with like any certainty at all what they have in Isaiah Spiller. Um, we know with hundred percent certainty that Larry Roundtree is not that guy. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if they went out and paid uh, a veteran number two running back again with the same kind of thing as an edge rusher. Does Jamal Williams want to be the guy? Does he, is he okay being kind of a change of pace back again? Like he was in green Bay. All of that matters in free agency. Like I think somebody like Devin Singletary would make a lot of sense, but does he want to be the guy? Is he okay being a second guy? So I think we could see them go out and get a running back, but I think you're probably talking about more like the Damien Harris range, the Jarek McKinnon, the Jeff Wilson, um, Alexander Madison, somebody in that range who maybe you're giving like a two-year, $5 million contract to because they are a backup. They're used to being a backup, and that necessarily wouldn't surprise me. But somebody like Williams, I don't know if he would be okay coming into a situation where he's a backup. Yeah, I'm curious what someone like a Samaj P. Ryan would get on the open market. That would be another one I'd be very interested in, too. Yeah, yeah. he's projected for only two and a half APY. Seems like a guy who's like a a journeyman, uh, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride sort of guy. Are you counting on him to lead your offense? Not necessarily, um, but a good second option and a reliable second option for sure. I know they want that to be Kelly. I know they want that to be Spiller, obviously, but, you know, if two and a half million dollars a year to kind of be more secure. In your one-two punch, I think they'd be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we talked about the running back class. 
a couple weeks ago, I, I, I would rather just draft Tajay Spears or one of these guys, Roshan Johnson, than pay a running back. But again, then you're in that range is like, well, what if that guy isn't up to speed? What if you're mm-hmm. just doing Isaiah Spiller 2.0? So yeah, I understand that. But I think generally speaking, an older prospect is probably better than paying somebody who's 27, 28 years old at the running back position. Yeah, especially if you're supposedly all in. We can't take another spiller where it's like, oh, you know, and I don't think they would take someone so young, so quote-unquote inexperienced um, and underdeveloped again, I don't think at this point. But, you know, can't have that happen again. Also, we have this super chat from Brian Stowe. Thoughts on backup quarterback? Ooh. Uh, My thoughts on backup quarterback are that you can pencil in Cooper Rush on the (laughs) roster right now. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I know. Again, another player, right? We're all talking about all the space that the Chargers might have. You should probably just pencil in Cooper Rush, whatever his contract is going to be. Um, is he on PFF's projections? He's not. So the quarterback group only goes down to Marcus Mariota and Andy Dalton, as well mm-hmm. as Taylor Heineke. So I think it's safe to say you could pencil him, pencil in, pencil him in. Excuse me for less than those guys. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad has Andy Dalton on a one-year, five million dollar deal. Marcus Mariota, one-year, four million. Taylor Heineke, one-year, four million. Gardner Minshew, one-year, four million. So definitely less than that. I don't think he's a higher-end backup. You know, I'm sure people will be like, "Well, it's different than him between Chase Daniel." Not a lot, honestly, but you know, again, there's a lot of schematic familiarity there. So I think it just just checks that box, and to mm-hmm. me, you know, you give him a one-year, two point five million dollar contract and call it good. Um, I definitely, I, I don't really want to draft a guy. I think they, with seven picks, you probably need to spend those on position players. Um, if they did, I think Aiden O'Connell has probably become the guy that I'd want most. Um, I think you're talking about more mobile guys probably going earlier. Um, so I think Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, I should, should have said that first from Purdue, uh, wouldn't make some sense for them. Now are you circling back and looking at running back still. Uh, I've been watching running backs, but I've been like I've had to watch a lot of people playing Purdue. Oh, okay. You know, for like for film purposes, and then yeah, um, I was like before we did our receiver episode, I was like, okay, I want to check in on like this Charlie Jones guy, see if there's anything there. So I, mm-hmm. I did watch a couple Purdue games, and obviously you've watched Payne Durham too. So um, mm-hmm. Aiden O'Connell is a good backup prospect. I don't think he would necessarily cost a lot. There's definitely not a like a ton of talent. You're probably talking about like a sixth, seventh round pick anyway. So yeah, just depends where they're at. Yeah, and that's where my money would be for running back this year. I, I listen. I, Robinson would be fun. Spears would be fun. Gibbs would be fun. Sure, but I think it's really that late day three, add a guy sort of thing. And I think the three guys that we have, kind of like receivers, kind of the three that you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Alex is in the chat today. He says uh, Kellen Moore for backup quarterback. You know, with between Kellen Moore, Doug Nussmeyer, and the scout. I think the Charger staff is covered in terms of backup quarterbacks. So maybe they'll just, you know, break trends and just not have any backup quarterbacks. Yeah. Man, Brandon Saley could do it too. He's kind of young. <laughs> you know? That's true. I, for, I always forget that he played quarterback in college. Yeah. Um, who was, when Guy started to get hurt or when Herbert got hurt, was there ever talk about who the like fourth string emergency guy would be? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think who it would be. Maybe 
maybe Keenan. Keenan's kind, Keenan's kind of kind of been a shit thrower for his trick plays, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I think against the Chiefs in 2021, he missed. I think Mike, and then I saw them in practice try to throw a screen across the field, and he threw it in the dirt at Eckler's feet. Um, so. <laughs> He could lob it, I guess. It's definitely not Mike Williams. I've only seen him ever throw the ball underhand. I don't think I've ever seen him throw like, <laughs> a regular pass before. <laughs> I'm assuming Mike Williams can at least throw a football. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm willing to bet that much. Um, I want to say Casey Hayward was a high school quarterback too. I think he. I want to say huh. he took some quarterback snaps back in back in the day. Obviously, he's not on the team anymore. But um, trying to think who else would have been. I, I wonder know if they the had Ni- any go for it. I was gonna say I know the Niners had Christian McCaffrey as their like emergency guy. Right. I'm curious if Eckler took any snaps as a, as a thrower potentially because he took one at Wildcat this past season. So I wonder if they had any plans for a couple throws yeah. here and there. Yeah, that 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 one play was super fun, and then they never did it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember the play that worked? Never again. Yeah. I was laughing at the Xander Horvath video too. Like <laughs> <laughs> that the Chargers posted this week. He's like, he yeah, had two touchdowns in his first two games. It's like, and then we never heard from him again. <laughs> and fans were so unhappy. Yeah. Um, yeah, really unhappy with Mr. Xander Horvath and the Chargers Lombardi. Yeah. Oh, Stone Smart was a quarterback. Yeah, oh, no. that, yeah. There you go. That that probably would have been a better situation because he was a uh quarterback first at Old Dominion. Yeah. JK Scott? Specialist guys. <laughs> I mean, he could put on he could put on Herbert's jersey, and and uh, casual <laughs> fans wouldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll we'll take a couple more minutes of uh, questions here before we uh, head out for the day. So if you guys haven't had a chance to ask one or missed one, uh, feel free to to send those in now. Um, okay, you found one. Teresa Campapa is assuming Keenan, Mike Bosa, and Mac have career average years in twenty twenty three. Can you rank them in likelihood of their chances to be on the roster week one? So I think Bosa clearly number one on this list, but what would you, who would you have the behind that? Um, I'm actually going Keenan for me as number one. Okay. Bosa. It slightly and, depends on the staff. Like if, if Staley's not here, then I, I definitely think Mac is kind of bottom of, yeah. the, of that list. If he is here, that does kind of change things because of the connection. Uh, but I, I think Keenan is number one. I think Herbert, as long as he's the quarterback and the priority, uh, I think Keenan comes first, which I guess I could say that Mike would be second, but I don't, I don't believe that's the case. Yeah. Contractually, like it, I, I think Joey is, is above the the rest here. Cause I don't think they can really cut him in 2024 mm-hmm. uh, this time next year, I should say. Um, I would say career average years, assuming chargers have a positive season. I would say Joey Keenan, Mike Mac. I could see that. I mean, Mac definitely gets the bump down because of age. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, um, Khalil had a good season. Definitely, I think he was, mm-hmm. you know, worth it. I, I think this team is committed to seeing like what they have with the duo as well. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Lexus Mexicano wants to know if B. John Robinson can throw the ball. Honestly, wouldn't surprise me. That man can do everything on the football field. So, Did they have Roshan Johnson throw? I saw some Wildcat. I don't remember if they had him throw or not. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember seeing Roshan throw any. 
but that Texas backfield, man, crazy. Good stuff. All right. Should we end on the food question that Alex sent? <laughs> sure. All right. Alex uh, wants to know, appreciate Alex in the chat. It was his birthday earlier this week. So hopefully you guys uh, went and uh, sent him some love. So Alex wants to know one food you would choose to eliminate from the earth. Hmm. Okay. Asians on three. One, two, three. Bok choy. What is bok choy? <laughs> Just a bitter ass vegetable. Okay. My first thought here was vegetable too. I hate Brussels sprouts. But if you're talking like more of a meal, oh, um, I'm generally not like a seafood guy. I hate you. <laughs> so like, like calamari to me is like just nah, or like any kind of octopus. I I I will try a lot of foods. Like I will. When I was in Spain for my study abroad program, I tried the squid ink pasta that they have. I don't mm. know if you've ever had squid ink pasta before. Mm -hmm but it like stained my teeth black for like a week <laughs> and then i couldn't really like stomach the actual squid so uh you know any kind of like seafood pasta i'm just generally not about shrimp is okay though i can eat shrimp but yeah shrimp solid uh like alex said fried calamari i don't think i've ever eaten i i've had i don't know what they officially call it but like octopus sashimi and yeah that was awful um that was terrible not that Lobster pasta sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> Alex doesn't like my food takes. It's okay. That's fine. Um, yeah, poke, not super into poke. Any kind of like raw fish, uh -uh, not for me. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to come down to Orange County and <laughs> I'll pay for your meals for a week. I'll pay for your meals for a week. Um, I don't care if you hate it all. We're going to go to like Nobu or something and have a nice classy sushi experience um, and see if you can work with that. And if you hate it, there's a truffle filet mignon waiting for you there. All right. That's the place where the Chargers had their team meals, right? Uh, I think that's definitely one. Uh, that one and um, Mastro's, I think. Okay. Well, in, you know, we can go there. We'll network with the players. You know, I'm sure we'll, of course. You know, we'll be yeah. able to run into them. And you know, yeah, I'm for sure. sure. They just like live there, basically. So Yeah, they'll pay for us too. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. We haven't criticized half of them so far, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we we, yeah. we got to be nice to Khalil Mack and Kyle Van Noy, the guys that pay, right? So yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Love Khalil Mack. There Love you him. go. I will say, if you want to take me to that place, I will go and I will I will eat sushi. Yeah. I will take you wherever you want, Stephen. There we go, <laughs> my guy. Did you want to answer that one? <laughs> Soon. Soon. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, you know, still got to you know. Zip the zip the mouth and throw away the key for for now. Yeah, but, Stephen uh, and I will also be doing that at Mastro's. I don't get it. <laughs> it's a really bad kink joke. All right, that's how we're. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hello, hello, kids at the Corona Del Mar High School. <laughs> uh, um... Hello, kids at Crescent View West. Uh, my coworkers are starting to talk about the podcast, so now uh, I've there's actually a couple students who are Chargers fans are like, oh, I'll check it out. So uh, any Crescent View West kids, uh, hello. Yeah, they don't have the patience to wait an hour and five minutes. Um, no, and watch definitely the entire not. show. So definitely we're not. good. Yeah, we just have to get not. past the five-minute marker all clean, and then we're good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, busy, busy day for the Chargers. Um, obviously a lot to cover today. 
Uh, we're going to be joined by Arjun tomorrow night, and we're going to run through all of the uh, free agency predictions. So Arjun's going to have some uh, contract figures. We'll talk about you know his takeaways from the restructures and everything like that and what this means from a cap perspective. So again, Arjun, one of the, the best in the business already uh, in terms of contracts. You don't want to miss that one. So uh, we'll, we'll see you guys uh, later tomorrow night.